Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody on? Good. Great. Grand. Wonderful. The Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN starts now. Hour number three on this Monday evening. It's the Dan Grasso Show live from Resorts World NYC. Bar 360, 110-00 Rockaway Boulevard in Queens. Stop by and say hello if you're in the neighborhood. And we thank them for being so hospitable for us tonight, treating us really, really well. And they got the great setup here. You got, of course, all your gambling and stuff. Plus, you got the great TVs. You can watch all your sports, get something to eat, have a few drinks, meet some people. So it's really a cool setup here, which I'm sure you probably know that already. But we're watching the Monday night game with Dallas and the football Giants. Cowboys got a 6-3 lead. It's been a field goal fest so far with about nine minutes to play in the first half. And a good job by that Giant defense stiffening up there in that last drive because Tony Pollard broke off a 46-yard run and got the ball within the red zone there for the Dallas Cowboys, but the Giants were able to not allow them to get into the end zone, just giving up the three as opposed to the six there. So 6-3 is our score at MetLife Stadium. Yankees were on judge watch tonight. Still does not have a home run. More importantly, though, it's 2-2 in the bottom of the sixth with the Blue Jays. Remember, the Yankees just need to win one game against Toronto when they are American League East Division champions. As always, if you're not here, if you can't call into the show, hit me up on Twitter at Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A. Let's go around the NFL in what was another wild week number three in the National Football League. And we'll start in Indianapolis where the Colts pick up their first win of the season. They surprised the Kansas City Chiefs 20-17. to That was the final yesterday. Give the Colts credit. Matt Ryan and company, they engineer an eight-minute game-winning touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, one that goes 16 plays, as a matter of fact. And this is a team that was shut out last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Ryan got sacked five times in the game. He fumbled twice, but they still hung in there, and they beat a Chiefs team, which was not as explosive offensively as we were used to seeing first couple of weeks of the season. Other mistakes brought the Chiefs down in this game. You had Chris Jones, who had a sack on third down of Matt Ryan late in the game, but was called for unsportsmanlike conduct, kept the drive alive. Special teams were bad for the Chiefs yesterday. They had a muff punt. They missed the field goal. Both of those led to Colts touchdowns. You also had a failed fake field goal for the Kansas City Chiefs and a missed extra point. Remember, that was our old pal, Matt Amendola, the former Jet kicker, who had himself a rough day at the office yesterday. Uh, me thinks Kansas City is probably going to be looking for somebody else to fill the void until Harrison Butker is ready to resume. But the cameras also caught Patrick Mahomes yesterday getting into a little uh, sideline beef with his offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy. What did Mahomes have to say about it after the game? 
I mean, at the end of the day, I'll, I, I wanted to go try to score. I mean, that's just who I am. We were in a tough situation. I believe it was like second or third and 20 or and something like that. And the, probably the smart decision was to just take it. We had got the ball out of half. Let's just go to the go to halftime. But I'm always going to be wanting to score. And I mean, I pretty much just said, let me have a chance at it. And then he was just like, let's let's, let's get back in our locker room and we'll, we'll get something going for the next half. And I don't know if that's an altercation, but I mean, that was just that was the end of the conversation. Colts save face. You know, they get their season on track here a little bit. They're 1-1-1. One, one, and one. The advantage the Colts have is that that AFC South does not look very intimidating. I thought they'd win the division, still do, but they got to play a lot better here as we move forward through the season. Let's go to the NFC South where the Panthers, they're in the win column for the first time. They beat the Saints 22-14. to I'll tell you, New Orleans offense disappeared in the first half, and you got to wonder if maybe it's time for them to turn over the reins to Andy Dalton. Jameis Winston is playing with those fractures in his back. They turn the ball over three times. That is not going to cut it. The Saints have talent, folks. They got a lot of talent up and down that roster. I thought they'd win the NFC South, but the quarterback play, I think, at times is letting them down. They're way too inconsistent offensively. For Carolina, look, I don't think they're that good, but Christian McCaffrey finally had his best game of the season. Baker Mayfield's got to play a little bit better. But what's fueling this Panthers team is the defense. Their defense is pretty good. They got a scoop and score for a touchdown in that game. And how about it? Carolina snapping a nine-game losing streak, dating all the way back to last season. They get the victory over the Saints. Minnesota picks up another win. They come from behind to beat the Lions 28-24. to Look, Lions, everybody's on the bandwagon a little bit. Maybe it's hard knocks. I don't know. They get a win last week against Washington, and you're thinking, all right, maybe Dan Campbell's finally turning that program around but they showed you yesterday why they're not quite ready for prime time. Blew a 14-0 lead. Blew a 24-14 lead. Then they decided to go for that 54-yard field goal in the fourth quarter, which they end up missing. But it was a bad decision in hindsight because that set up Minnesota for some real good field position. And the Vikings went down and engineered a game-winning touchdown drive. Lions have now lost 11 consecutive games on the road, and Kirk Cousins with two fourth-quarter touchdowns, that was good enough for them. As long as it's not a prime-time game, you don't have to worry about Kirk Cousins. But he got it done yesterday. They lose Dalvin Cook to a shoulder injury in the third quarter, too. Cook, of course, uh, the best player on that offense, he along with Jefferson at the wide receiver position, they're a lot more effective when Dalvin Cook is healthy. Philadelphia, they roll over Washington 24-8 yesterday in the nation's capital. If you watch this game, it wasn't even as close as the final score indicates. Philadelphia is a very, very good football team, folks. They're one of the best teams in the league. They sacked Carson Wentz nine times yesterday. And that offense with Jalen Hurts, Adrian Brown, Devontae Smith. I know some people are skeptical of Jalen Hurts, and they maybe don't think that he is indeed the long-term answer. I don't know what more the guy has to do to prove it, but he is playing himself into being that long-term quarterback for the Birds with the way things are going. Washington is not very good. They'll play Dallas next week. The defense is bad. Still don't have Chase Young as he is still coming back from that knee injury. Going to be a long year for Washington and the nation's capital. Up in Foxborough, the Ravens took care of the Patriots 37-26. Boy, Lamar Jackson, he's like uh, putting together the football equivalent of Aaron Judge's season in baseball. He's on a prove-it year. He wants to get his big contract at the end of the season. Five more total touchdowns for the Ravens quarterback. The defense goes and picks off Mac Jones three times. And the Ravens are down to their fourth string left tackle right now. They are really banged up on that offensive line, but they're still finding ways to put 
put points on the scoreboard. Patriots turned it over four times in the second half. Mac Jones, he left with a high ankle sprain. And, I mean, if you saw some of those pictures, and, and the photographers did a real nice job of him, you know, being carried and helped back to the locker room by the trainers. I mean, it looked like, I mean, the anguish on Mac Jones's face. He ain't going to be back anytime soon. Severely high ankle sprain, they said. So that bears watching in the AFC East with the Patriots. And if you listen to me, I told you, Patriots do not have a lot of talent on that roster from top to bottom. I felt going into the season, the Patriots were the least talented team in the AFC East. And now they're going to be without a quarterback who I still wasn't necessarily 100% sold on, despite the fact that he had himself a decent rookie year and they won themselves a lot of football games. Tennessee is in the win column. They take the battle of the unbeatens over the Raiders 24 to 22 so Vegas is now off to an 0 and 3 start and they dug themselves too big of a hole to dig out of in that first half and it was because of their defense the offense was one for 12 on third down and I mentioned this earlier since the year 2000 only the 2018 Houston Texans were the only club to make the playoffs 0 and 3 beginning a season and if you remember that 2018 Houston team got in because they played in a garbage AFC South that year. I don't think the same thing is going to be the case here for the Raiders because that AFC West certainly is pretty good. Tennessee began the game with three touchdown drives of 75 yards or more. They got a stop on the game-tying two-point conversion try at the end of the game, and Derrick Henry was a bit better. We actually heard from Derrick Henry in this football game, and I think that that made a little bit of a difference. Good one in the AFC East yesterday, right? The Dolphins somehow, some way. They improved to 3-0 on the season under Mike McDaniel. They're probably the biggest surprise in the National Football League right now. They allow just three points in the second half, if you say minus that safety on the butt punt that you saw from uh, Miami in that sequence there. But Buffalo, they ran 90 plays in this football game compared to just 39 for the Dolphins. If I would have told you it would be that lopsided, you would have thought the Bills would have walked off the field victorious. But that wasn't to be the case. Miami goes to Cincinnati on Thursday night football on a short week. And Tua Tungavailoa gets his first career victory against this Buffalo Bills team. But it was a little odd. You saw that one sequence with Tua where he went down then got up and tried to shake it off, and then he stumbled to the ground again. A lot of people thought that it was a concussion issue, and how was he cleared to go back in the game? But if you listen to Tua from afterwards, he said it wasn't the concussion. He was just dealing with something with his back. On the quarterback sneak, kind of got my legs caught under someone, and then they were trying to push back, and then kind of felt like I hyperextended my back or something. And then on the next play, I kind of hit, hit my back and kind of kind of hurt and then I got up and then that's kind of like why I stumbled. My back kind of locked up on me. But for the most part, I'm good past whatever concussion protocol they had. You know something? I, I, I don't know yet what two is going to be at this level. I thought we would have seen more from him already coming in of Alabama. But right now he's the perfect complement for this offense. He gets the ball and he puts it in his playmaker's hands and that defense has really played at a high level so far for this Dolphin team, with the exception of last week, of course, with that crazy shootout against the Baltimore Ravens. But Dolphins have been the surprise of the NFL for the first three weeks. There's no other way around it here. Houston and Chicago, the Bears win the Lovey Smith Bowl 23-20. to They ran the ball for almost 300 yards in this game yesterday. I mean, that's crazy for the NFL. Justin Fields, with a couple of interceptions in this game, and only threw for 106 yards, and he sacked the ball five times. If you, if you want to know what the Chicago Bears think of Justin Fields, all you need to know is the fact that he's got the fewest pass attempts 
in the NFL through the first three weeks of the season. Okay, and the Bears did himself a disservice or did Justin Fields a disservice with how the way they constructed this roster for this season. Remember, we just went through this with the Jets, and to a certain extent, the Giants are experiencing this with Daniel Jones. You have to support a young quarterback, a developing quarterback. You have to make sure there's a foundation. You have to make sure there's a structure, whether it's offensive line, skill position talent, good coaching. I mean, Chicago right now is ruining Justin Fields. And, and look, I don't know what he's going to be as a pro quarterback, but they're not giving him every chance to be successful. So you can't necessarily say, oh, he's a bust. It's not going to work out. He plays for a franchise right now, which is lacking talent in the worst possible way. Davis Mills, two bad INTs for Houston. And Lovey Smith unable to exact any sort of revenge on his former team there in Chicago. Let's take a quick timeout. 800-919-3776. We come back. We'll finish up the week three whip around here in the National Football League. It's the Dan Grasso Show. We are live from Bar 360 Resorts World NYC on 110-00 Rockaway Boulevard right here on 9870 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Dan Gross, the show, 98.7 ESPN. We are live at Bar 360 at Resorts World NYC. Stop by if you're in the neighborhood. Pretty soon, we'll be giving away a pair of Jets tickets, as a matter of fact, for everybody that signed up here at our booth for a couple of tickets to see the green and white to a game sometime during this season. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Giants and Cowboys, it's 6-3 Dallas right now. Just under three minutes to play in the first half at MetLife Stadium. The Yankees are 2-2 against the Blue Jays in the top half of the seventh inning. Still no home run for Aaron Judge. He's been up to the plate three times so far tonight. He's the on-deck hitter, as a matter of fact, so we'll let you know if anything were to come of that. But more importantly, Yankees are trying to find a way to win a baseball game because if they do, they're going to be AL East champions, and they have the go-ahead run at third base as we speak. But we're continuing our whip around, our look at week three in the National Football League as we hit the four o'clock games here. And how about the Falcons who get that first win of the season on the road in Seattle, 27 to 23. I'll tell you, Atlanta's played all close games so far this season. And last, uh, yesterday was no different. Cordero Patterson had himself a big day. Cordero Patterson, think about him. He's a guy who was coming out of college as a wide receiver. And now he's kind of morphed into a jack-of-all-trades, but more like a running back. And he's really doing a heck of a job. He had a good season last year. He's off to a good start again here in 2022. 
And Drake London has had a really good start. He's the rookie wide receiver, first-round pick for them from USC. Remember, the Jets were maybe thinking about possibly taking him, but he went to Atlanta. He's had a good start this year. Falcons only punted once in that game yesterday. Uh, Geno Smith, on the other hand, for the Seahawks, he throws a late interception. Defense is not good. Seattle defense is not good at all. And the Seahawks only had three second-half possessions in total, a field goal, a punt, and an interception. That is not going to get it done. Seattle's going to have a long, long season, despite the fact that they were able to win that week one game against the Denver Broncos. The game of the day, or at least the most anticipated game of the day, I should say, that took place down in Tampa Bay. And remember what I said last week leading up to it. It's the Packers, it's the Buccaneers, it's Aaron Rodgers, it's Tom Brady, but don't expect a shootout. It's probably going to resemble more of a slugfest, and that is what you got. You got a 14-12 game with the Packers eking past the Bucks. Defensive struggle, a lot of injuries and unfamiliarity on both sides. You know, the Packers put two early touchdowns on the board, and then really nothing else the rest of the day. You credit that defense. They got a big two-point conversion stop at the end of the game to preserve the victory. But this offense, and I know that you still have Aaron Rodgers, this offense... Just three second-half points in the last two weeks. You could say that it's early. You could say that he's got injuries to his wideouts. It's a new cast of characters. He doesn't know who these guys are. Whatever excuse you want to make. But what was interesting, though, I don't know if you caught Aaron Rodgers' interview on the field after the game. I believe it was with Tom Rinaldi of Fox. But he said he has to credit the in-house jumbotron down there at the stadium in Tampa to give him a little bit of a strategic edge as to what Tampa Bay was running. Take a listen to this. So you come all the way down and talk to Matt LaFleur during that final drive with the defense on. What was going through you during the two-point conversion, especially after you saw the fact that they took the five-yard penalty? Well, they should have on the previous play, too. It was a delay on both plays. But uh, sometimes you see things in the game. Sometimes the Jumbotron shows things they probably shouldn't show, even at home. Uh, I saw something and just passed on the information. Hey, you can never call Aaron Rodgers not being cerebral. He is going to notice things. Uh, we know he's a little quirky at times. I mean, that goes with the territory here. But, hey, that was a big one, and it helped the Green Bay Packers. And, look, as far as the Bucks are concerned, I know that there's, like, whispers happening already that maybe Brady is shot, maybe Brady is over the hill, that Father Time is finally catching up with him. I mean, how do you let the clock run down on a, on a potential game-time play there with the two-minute warning? This offense really is a far cry from any of the type of units we've seen Brady operate so far in his NFL career. But I, I'm not going to put him in the retirement home just yet. Let's remember, he was playing without his top three wide receivers yesterday, despite that they were just two for 11 on third down. Uh, and, and, you know, the guy I think about more than anything is Todd Bowles. You know, here's a guy who gets another opportunity, and I like Todd, you know, getting to know him when he was coaching the Jets here. And he was dealt a rough hand, we know that. But now he gets an opportunity to take over a team again down there with the Buccaneers. He's got Brady as his quarterback, but yet you're dealing with all this other stuff. Brady's got the Giselle drama that he's dealing with. You don't have wide receivers. He's missing his whole cast of characters. And now this Tampa offense looks exactly like the offense that Todd Bowles had when he was coaching the Jets. It might as well be Josh McCown back there, Bryce Petty at quarterback. It is really, really stuck in the mud. And Brady has said as much after the game when he says, hey, the offense, it's got to be better. There's a lot to it, so bad execution on offense at a time where we needed good execution and we didn't get it. And there was a lot of other times we had a lot of other bad execution. And I think the reality is when you do that, you don't have the opportunity to score points. So too many plays where we are 
behind the sticks and not good on third down and penalties, turnovers, missed opportunities. And, you know, defense played great. We've got to play better on offense. We've got to do a lot better job. We haven't scored many points all season. So three games, we've got to get a lot better. Maybe the most revealing game yesterday took place out in Los Angeles, and that is where the Jaguars picked up their first road win since week 15 of the 2019 season. They don't just beat the Chargers, they annihilate them. 38-10 to 10 was the final. They had the run game going. Their defense was working. Trevor Lawrence put together back-to-back -back really good games. I mean, are we being crazy right now in suggesting the way things are unfolding that maybe the Jaguars could steal the AFC South this season? I mean, I know it's still early, but... There's teams that come out of nowhere each year in the National Football League. And it's amazing the difference it makes when you have a real coach. I mean, think about the disaster the Jaguars were last year with Urban Meyer, who was clearly not fit to be an NFL head coach or leader for that matter. And you get Doug Peterson in there, who's got a Super Bowl ring, and he's implemented a structure and a foundation. And right now the Jaguars look like a professional football team which is certainly something you can't say about a lot of other clubs out there around the league. As far as the Chargers are concerned, okay, the Chargers to me are bordering on the whole fraud slash phony classification. They really and truly are. You know the expression when you say the sum is greater than the individual parts, you know, like maybe a team that isn't that talented and doesn't have star power, but yet they play as a unit and they go out there and they get the job done. The Chargers have been the complete opposite of that the last couple of years. The Chargers are a team where the individual parts are greater than the sum because they have disappointing results given how talented and skilled that team is man for man. They lose an important guy today, Rashawn Slater, their Pro Bowl tackle. He's going to be out for the season with a triceps injury. And Justin Herbert, who, look, he's talented. Don't get me wrong. But people want to put Justin Herbert in the Hall of Fame after his first couple of years in the NFL, and he puts up all these good numbers, and he's a great fantasy quarterback. But can the guy get to the playoffs first before we're going to sit there and, and, and carve him into Mount Rushmore? Really? And I don't want to hear about the rib injury yesterday. No excuse. If you're injured, don't play. But if you're out there and you think you're good enough to go, then you can't have a performance like you did yesterday at home against that Jaguar team. And by the way, Brandon Staley, who's one of these new young head coaches who they all think they invented football and they reinvented the wheel, can, and, and, you know, go for it on fourth down every single time and what's the point of punting and all these things. Somebody explain to me, the genius that is Brandon Staley, if you have your quarterback who's playing like garbage, who's hurt, dealing with fractured rib cartilage, and you're down by four touchdowns late in the game in the fourth quarter, can somebody explain to me why Justin Herbert is still in that football game? I, I mean, you ever hear the expression, lose the battle to win the war? Get him on the sidelines. And then you hear him say, oh, well, he wanted to stay in the game. Dude, you're the head coach. You know, you're the leader. You're supposed to be the adult in the room. Get your quarterback off the field. If he suffered even further damage to those ribs, Charger season is over with. It's completely over with. But it's always something with this team, and that's why you can't necessarily go all in on what the Chargers are doing. Rams go beat the Cardinals 20-12 to yesterday. A good road win in the division. You're never going to turn those down. Thank the defense. They showed up yesterday. The offense was 0-2 when the um, – the Cardinals' offense was 0 for 2 in the red zone. McVay owns the Cardinals. He's 11 and 1 against them as a head coach. Arizona was only able to muster four field goals, and Kyler Murray threw the ball 58 times yesterday. 
58 times. You know, we talked about you don't want Joe Flacco throwing the ball 50-plus times. I don't care who you are. You don't want your quarterback putting the ball in the air that many times. It means you're playing from behind. And all three games that Arizona has played so far this year, they have played from behind in all three of them. They have been outscored, get this, in the first half of games this year, 56-6. to Don't trust Cliff Kingsbury. Don't trust the Cardinals. They are not going to be a factor when you're talking about late in the season as far as the NFC is concerned. And I apologize to anybody out there as we close up our whip around here with the National Football League. I apologize to anybody out there who actually stayed up to watch that Sunday night game last night because that probably set football back about 30 years between the Broncos and the 49ers. You had 11-10 to 10 barn burner in Denver yesterday. San Francisco, not only do they lose the game, they lose Trent Williams, who might be the best left tackle in football. You got Jimmy Garoppolo channeling his inner Dan Orlovsky, running out of the end zone for the automatic safety, not even knowing where his bearings are. Two turnovers on the final two possessions of the game, one for 10 on third down. They could not get anything going offensively. Broncos weren't much better, let's face it, but they finally got it going on that game-winning drive. 12 plays, 80 yards. Russell Wilson starting to improv a little bit, making plays with his legs, kind of like the Russell Wilson we're used to seeing all those years during his best days with the Seattle Seahawks, but the Broncos got problems. I mean, Nathan Hackett is a mess as a head coach. He's got no feel for the game, no feel for clock management. They've scored two touchdowns in the last three games. They're 2-1 and one right now with the Broncos because of their defense. Nothing more and nothing less. But we got to hear from Jimmy G. We got to hear as to what was going through his mind when he ran out of the end zone and essentially took that safety for San Francisco. And just run the play, uh, trying to buy some time for it. Uh, it was longer developing play. A tough situation, though, just uh, that whole thing. And look, I think the 49ers are going to be better off in the long run with Garoppolo, at least this season, than they would be with Trey Lance. Because the guys in that locker room, the guys in that huddle, believe in Jimmy G, despite the fact what you saw last night. They have faith in him. I mean, I have, I, I've talked to players who played in San Francisco and played with Garoppolo. They say that that guy commands the huddle. They say that he's accountable. They like playing for him. Trey Lance is a kid. They don't know what they have yet in this guy. And that's really the unfortunate thing as far as the Niners are concerned because you gave up all that draft capital to move up last year to third overall to take Trey Lance, and now it's two years into his career and you still don't know what you're going to have with him because of the injury that he suffered. And that is a tough place to be. Year three next year with a quarterback and you don't know what you have. That's why it's imperative, all these yo-yos that we're saying for the last couple of weeks that, you know, Joe Flacco should play over Zach Wilson and all that stuff. No, Zach Wilson's got to get on the field. Maybe even more importantly than wins and losses for the Jets this year is that the season, when it comes to its conclusion, you have to know, is this the guy or is this not the guy? Because otherwise, you're going to be looking for a new quarterback in all probability in the not-too-distant future, which is going to set your program back when it's all said and done. 800-919-3776. That is our telephone number. Giants and Cowboys are still 6-3 Dallas late in the first half at MetLife Stadium. Yankees are 2-2 with the Toronto Blue Jays up there north of the border. Judge is going to lead off to start the eighth inning, so we'll keep you up to date as far as what he is going to be up to. Now, when we return, we'll take your phone calls. And also, I know the seasons keep happening so fast. It was media day around the NBA today. You hear from the Knicks, you hear from the Nets, and more so the conjecture out of Brooklyn. What did those guys have to say? Kevin Durant actually being accountable for his trade demands during the offseason and all the behind-the-scenes stuff that was happening in Brooklyn. You heard Kyrie 
going off about everything that's transpired in the last year. We'll give you some thoughts as well. Dan Grasso Show, we are live from Bar 360 Resorts World NYC in Queens, right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Dan Grasso Show, 98.7 ESPN. We are live at Bar 360 here at Resorts World NYC, 110-00 Rockaway Boulevard. Having a great time tonight. We had Bart Oates here. We gave away some Jets tickets, some prizes. We're hanging out watching Monday Night Football. Really, really good crowd that has shown up here tonight. So we're hanging out with you for another half hour till 10 o'clock. And if you're not here, you can always check out the show, 800-919-3776. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Grasso. G-R-A-C-A. -A. Uh, Judge is going to be coming up here to lead off the top half of the eighth inning once the Yankees get through with the bottom half. So we'll uh, follow that intently. But today was media day for the NBA teams, including, of course, you know, the Knicks and the Nets, as you would expect. And look, I know that the Knicks are the team in the city, despite the fact that the Nets have maybe been a little bit more successful the last few years, but still, it's a Knicks town. It always will be a Knicks town. Don't let anybody tell you differently. That's just the way of the world. I don't make the rules. I just follow them. Um, but the Nets are the ones that I think certainly have the more storylines going into the season because they have a little bit more star power. I mean, you got one of the top players in the world in Kevin Durant, for starters. And, you know, he probably was the one that caused the most commotion during the offseason when we found out that he wanted to be traded and that if he wasn't going to get traded, then he wanted Sean Marks to be fired. He wanted Steve Nash to be fired. He heard all these different rumors and things and so on and so forth. So twofold. Number one, we didn't know if Kevin Durant was going to be accountable for the things he was saying. We didn't know if Kevin Durant was, you know, going to either confirm or deny the things that were being reported during the offseason. So I give him credit that the very least – you know what? He owned up to it today, and he asked, or he was asked, if he feels like he has to prove to fans that he indeed still wants to be here. The Nets fans should know me after three years and the work I put in. Like we've been through a lot as a team, and I still go out there and do my job. So I don't feel like I got to prove anything to Nets fans after three years. And I'm committed to moving forward with this team. So if they got doubts. And I can't control that. That's on you. But you seeing me, you know what I do. You know how much I care about playing and you know how much I care about my teammates and this organization by what I've shown these last three years. So, you know, I just keep being me every day. And some people won't like it. Some people not going to like it, but they may come around to it. I mean, it is what it is. You know what's funny about that, though? I, I mean, he, that he's got to give it a rest a little bit. You know, like, net fans know me for the last three years. I've been here for three years. Well, first of all, the first year you didn't play at all. You were rehabbing an injury. The Nets were paying you millions of dollars to sit there and, and rehab from your torn ACL or, or whatever it was. So it's not like you were omnipresent then. And then in the last couple of years, you've also missed a considerable amount of games here. So I don't know. I mean, how, do, do the Net fans really know Kevin Durant? 
or do they know his burner accounts on Twitter? I mean, like, really, like, how much do we do we know that, or what's being reported from sources in the media during the offseason about all the drama that ensues with this organization? That's what I feel I know more. I know the Nets through reports, and Kevin Durant through reports, not from what he's saying specifically. And then he was also asked if he's surprised that he's even still a member of the Nets. No, I know I'm that good that you're just not going to give me away. So that's one thing I did appreciate about Sean and Joe is like, yeah, you're too great for us to give you away. Just that easy, that simple. So I get that. I know who I am. I agree with him on that, though, because he is that good. So it doesn't sound like it's conceit or being big headed or anything like that. No, he is that good. And that's why when all the rumors were happening, you knew that the Nets were not and should not and could not just give him away to rid themselves of a headache. Because Kevin Durant, whether you acknowledge it or not, is the best player to ever put on a Brooklyn Nets uniform or a New Jersey Nets uniform or a New York Nets uniform or wherever they played and wherever they called home. He truly is that good. And it would sink the franchise to new depths if they did not get fair and equal return from a player of his caliber. So they handled it the right way. They called his bluff, and that's why he's still on this team. But I don't think that everything is A-OK, and I don't necessarily think that we could be in the same situation a year from now because I don't expect this season to go as well as maybe everybody in Netland thinks it's going to. There's probably going to be some roller coaster moments throughout the season. And then lastly, he was asked if all of this uncertainty, whether or not KD was going to be back, whether he wasn't going to be back, who the coach was, who wasn't going to be the coach, if all of that uncertainty made players stay away from Brooklyn. Do you worry about now, you know, in a span of a few months, James Harden wanted to leave. It looked like you wanted to leave. That guys on the outside are going to maybe wonder sort of, you know, what's wrong there that the top, top level players don't want to be there. What guys are you talking about? No, I'm wondering about if from the outside players might look at this and say. What players? Oh, I'm just saying. I eight. mean, who knows? I mean, we got some good guys here that chose to come here this summer. So, I mean, I guess they, it didn't matter to them that much. So we got, you know, we just got Markeith Morris who made a decision who a couple teams wanted him and he chose us. So I guess it didn't make that big of an impact. But we know how the NBA is. It's, it's a business. And, you know, once you business is involved, sometimes you may have disagreements, relationships, may hit a fork in the road you got to figure out. But at the end of the day, you know, people understand what I bring to the court, what we bring to the court, the players on this team. And they've seen us, they played against us and coached against us. So they understand how we play the game of basketball that other stuff we'll figure out and that's just the nature of the NBA at this point teams aren't tripping over themselves to sign Markeith Morris let's be real I mean if that's the best he could give you I'm not necessarily buying it guys are going to go where they're going to get the most money guys are going to go where maybe they have a chance to win a championship and so on and so forth but hey it remains to be seen if they all buy in if they all stay committed if they remain healthy yeah the Nets could be dangerous absolutely 100% but if you're asking me, am I confident that all of those things are going to come true? If I'm a betting man, I would say probably not. How about Kyrie Irving? Certainly he has had himself uh, a very interesting last couple of years. He was asked about the summer media storm that the Nets found themselves a part of. It was on Kev from the beginning, and I honored his request, and I understood it. There was a level of uncertainty in this building, not just for last year, but for the last few years. And that accountability that he asked for should be available and accessible at all times, and we should have that type of environment. So I echoed his same sentiments, and I felt the same way. But we both knew we – I don't want to say we both knew. I won't speak for him. I, I just felt like the awkwardness I say, you know, we, I speak on when he asked for it. It's just one of those shocking things. 
you know, you have as a best friend and you're watching your best friend go through now the other side of the media storm that comes with this trader request and being in the middle of, you know, it's kind of like a cluster. F- you know what I mean? Just like all of this, you know, all the stories that we've come up with, all the narratives around this team that it's hard to answer every single question you guys have about us and what our intent is. So I'll do my best to just say that I honored what Kev had going on and I was wishing him the best, but this was the best opportunity for him and that's the best opportunity for me and we feel good. And it's not just about us. It's about how great we are as teammates and our team. Just great team, man. That's all I'm going to keep saying. See, here, here's the thing about Kyrie you got to remember. It's not that he's all in on Brooklyn are all in on the Nets. Because remember, he was sniffing around to the Lakers. He was ringing up his old buddy LeBron, who, by the way, LeBron that he wanted to get away from despite winning a championship together in Cleveland. He went out to the Lakers to see if they'll take him over there. But then when he realized the Lakers couldn't pay him anywhere near as much money as he could opt into with the Nets, that's when he came back home and was all of a sudden Mr. Brooklyn. But this is not something that I think is going to be long-lasting because what's going to happen this year with the Nets and with Kyrie Irving? I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. Kyrie and his agents are going to start ringing the Nets up at some point in the middle of the season because, remember, he's going to be a free agent at the end of the year, and he's looking for a new contract, and they're going to start to have negotiations about a new deal, and the Nets maybe necessarily don't want to do a long-term contract with Kyrie with everything that he has been through over the last few years and kind of put the organization through the last few years. And once Kyrie and his people start to get an indication that maybe the Nets are not all in on the Kyrie Irving experience – then you're going to start to maybe see some of that drama ensue again to where the Nets may have no choice but to end up trading him by the trade deadline. And then he's going to finish out the season someplace else and then enter free agency and then go get his money and go to the highest bidder or something like that. That, that, that very easily is a situation that could unfold when you're talking about the Nets. Look, they have an abundance of talent, right? Top level they're one of the most talented teams in the NBA. They're a more talented team than the Knickerbockers, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, Right? I mean, the Nets probably have three of the top, you know, 15, 20 players in the National Basketball Association. You can't say the same thing about the New York Knicks. You just can't. So it doesn't mean that it's going to pay dividends for them. But somehow, some way, if it all comes together, this team could make it interesting, and they could keep it fun. 800-919-3776, that is the telephone number. We'll hear from the Knickerbockers in a couple of minutes. Cowboys have a 6-3 lead over the Giants. They've reached halftime on Monday Night Football at MetLife Stadium. I mean, this game right now is unfolding pretty much just like, you know, the first couple of Giant games, or at least the one maybe last week more in that slugfest with the Carolina Panthers. Not much offense out there. You would expect that certainly with Dallas, with Cooper Rush, and the Giants situation with Daniel Jones and company just really unable to sustain drives here in the first half of this football game, but still two quarters to play, and we'll see what unfolds. Giants have had the secret formula in terms of winning these close games here in the first two weeks of the season. Let's see if they can make it happen for a third time. We come right back. Dan Gross' show live from Bar 360 Resorts World NYC right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Dan Grasso Show, we are live from Bar 360 for a few more minutes here at Resorts World NYC, 110-00 Rockaway Boulevard, having a lot of fun tonight, hanging out, watching some Monday night football here. Giants trailing the Cowboys 6-3 at halftime at MetLife Stadium. 
Judge just struck out in his previous at bat, so he's one for three on the night with a walk and two Ks. They're in the top of the eighth inning. It's 2-2. May or may not get another at bat. We shall see. If it goes into extra innings, certainly that increases his chances of doing so. So we'll find out what happens. Yankees, again, they win the game, they win the division, and they can pop some champagne up there in Toronto. Mets did not get any help tonight on the out-of-town scoreboard. The Braves beat up on the Nationals 8-0. I'm surprised they had enough energy, the Braves. They went to the White House today and met with the president which is customary when you're a defending champion. So they were in D.C. and, you know, they had the nice lunch at the White House and all that stuff, the photo ops and the kissing the babies and all those things. But they had enough energy left in the tank to go out there and beat up on the Nationals team who clearly uh, cannot wait for this season to be over. So the Met lead over the Bravos one game in the National League East. Mets are going to be back at it tomorrow, first of two games at City Field against the Miami Marlins. Uh, as far as the Knicks are concerned, they had media day today up in Westchester. And look, I think that realistically speaking, when you look at this team for the upcoming season, Jalen Brunson was the big acquisition. They swung and missed on Donovan Mitchell. Uh, they didn't want to give up the draft package that Cleveland wanted in return. So as legend would have it. But they were able to get their guy in Jalen Brunson, gave him the big money contract in free agency. So they're going to turn the offense over to him. You have R.J. Barrett, who they kept around and gave him a nice new contract extension. You hope to see R.J.'s game continue to grow and to elevate to another level. But to me, when I look at this Knicks team and what potentially they will or won't be this upcoming season, I think the X factor is Julius Randle. Not saying that you need this guy to play like he did a couple of years ago when he was all NBA and he was the toast of the town and you had the fans at the Garden chanting MVP or at least the ones that could come watch the games because we still didn't have full capacity for the majority of that season. I don't even think you need that version of Julius. But he can't have the version that you had last year, which statistically was okay. It wasn't bad. But he just didn't look engaged. He didn't seem like he was all into it. He seemed very ornery, right? He seemed like he was easily temperamental. If you could get maybe like an in-between version, then we're talking about this Knicks team maybe could potentially surprise and open some eyes here for this upcoming season. But let's hear what Julius Randle had to say as he evaluated last season. I mean, like you said, it's hurdles, ups and downs, all different type of things. But uh, like anything in the season, uh, whether it's great season, whether it's a bad season, you know, you learn. And uh, I think I learned a lot for sure. And also, what about what he learned last season regarding being a leader, which he clearly is for this team? I learned a lot. Like I said, when it's good, it's easy to be a leader. When things aren't as good, when you're going through adversity, I think it's even more important. So I learned a lot. I'm just excited. I feel great about our team, physically and mentally, where we are as a team, and uh, just ready to get the ball rolling. All eyes are going to be on R.J. Barrett. Now he's got that big money contract, and you hope that before long, he is the guy that you call the leader of this basketball team and what the expectations are of where he could potentially still take his game in the years to come, given how young he is still in the grand scheme of things. What is he focused on this season? You just add one or two things to your game and you completely steadily continue to get better every every year. Like you're gonna you're gonna get to where you want to go, whether it comes right away or you know it comes later. So uh, that's really what I'm focused on, just being better than last year and. Uh, and he, for one, expects a big season from this basketball team. It's definitely an extra motivation, especially getting to taste with the playoffs is life and then, uh, you know, falling short there. And then to not end up where we wanted to last year, I think this year we're coming in even more experienced, even more hungry. But 
lot of guys that have something to prove, myself included, I got everything to prove, you know, so we're, we're really coming with that mindset and uh, definitely think we're going to shock the world. And fans are, of course, you know, with all the acclaim and all the hype and certainly with the contract, you know, they expect Jalen Brunson to produce. And I don't think that he's going to get uh, an extended honeymoon once the season begins because I think that fans are well aware of uh, all the stops that the Knicks pulled out, certainly around the draft to clear the cap space so they could fit him under the cap. And uh, fans that are follow the NBA. They saw what this guy did last year for the Dallas Mavericks and, you know, picking up the slack when Luka Doncic was down and really becoming, you know, almost the primary scorer for that Dallas Mavericks team and helping them get to the Western Conference Finals. And whether or not this is just like the beginning of what Jalen Brunson is going to be able to do here in his NBA career. So what is Jalen going to bring to this team? Most importantly, I just want to be myself. I think I said this a while ago, somehow, some way, um, not a savior. In any way, shape, or form, I just want to be able to contribute to a team. You know, I try to help this team win games. I like the group. Can't wait to build more chemistry with these guys. Can't wait to um, see what really what we can uh, unlock and unleash. And so uh, I'm really excited. If you look at this team, I, I, and look, I, I, I think the ideal starting lineup for the Knicks, if I'm Tom Thibodeau, would be Jalen Brunson and Grimes in the backcourt. And then you push Barrett to almost like a three, Julius and Mitchell Robinson. Some of those youngsters on the bench, if Derrick Rose could stay healthy, that is also a big – remember, Derrick Rose wasn't healthy last year. You know, he was that stabilizing presence off the bench, gave that se- off the bench, gave that second unit a little bit of life. They get him back in the mix. Maybe you're talking about a Knicks team here that could surprise a little bit. I still think realistically they're probably somewhere in that play-in tournament range, 7-10. to 10. That's my best guess because the East is loaded this year. It really and truly is. And that's before – all of this craziness started going on with the Boston Celtics, with the coach, and how that's going to impact things. But they got a lot of talent on that team uh, regardless. That is going to do it for us here tonight. I, I want to thank everybody here at Resorts World New York City, the people in charge, everybody that came to see the show, to hang out, to watch Monday Night Football. It was great seeing everybody here. Thanks to Paul Schrager, who hung out here all night, the engineer. want to thank Bart Oates, who stopped by tonight and spent some time with us on the program. Thanks to Joe Leo and Tom Bauer back in the shop. We'll talk to you again coming up tomorrow night at 7. Larry and Gordon are up next, everybody. Dan Gross is saying so long from Bar 360 and Resorts World New York City on 98.7 ESPN.